Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Eclectic Athlete Radio. I am your host, Jules DeMay, and today is episode number four. Last week, we talked about calories. Do they matter? Why do they matter? What factors affect health and weight loss? Check that one out if you haven't. I dove into a lot of different factors, such as hormones, metabolic rate, etc. Now, today, I'm going to build on that topic. We're talking about bad diets. I'm sure you've heard somebody talk about keto or paleo, whole 30, whatever that diet may be. They're popping up left and right, especially with the new year. So we're going to talk about what are they? Do they work? Why do they work? Why do people use them, etc. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. But before we get into that, I do want to let you guys know about my eclectic athlete coaching program. So if you are having trouble with diet, with nutrition, with exercise. This is an online-based program. I give you exactly what you need to do to get the results you want, reduce your stress, eat guilt-free, and live a better life. Now, into the show. So let's start off with the ketogenic diet. Everyone seems to be familiar with that one. seems to be a popular diet. So in the most simple sense, the ketogenic diet is a very high-fat, moderate-protein, and low-carb diet. How it works is when your body has low amounts of glucose, so sugar, you can't store that as energy, right? Your muscles can store glucose as glycogen, so it's an energy store, and your liver can do so as well. When you have low amounts of glucose available, your body needs to turn to either fat as energy or it can break down your muscle. That takes a lot of energy to do, so it prefers to burn fat. Now, your liver can produce something called a ketone, and a ketone is an energy source. Um, some uh, research actually shows your brain can run off glucose and ketones, and preferentially off ketones, so that's kind of interesting. Now, it's very hard to produce ketones um, exclusively. Again, we mostly have you know very high amounts of carbohydrates available in our diet, and your body can also produce Um, glucose from eating protein. So that's uh, something to keep in mind, which is also why you can eat high amounts of protein on a ketogenic diet. Now, what is the benefit of a ketogenic diet? Um, Supposedly, you know, again, in at least America or most Western societies, we eat high amounts of carbohydrates. Now, I want to say right off the bat, I don't believe carbs are bad, um, especially if you're training for performance, you need carbohydrates. High intensity exercise, high intensity activities require carbohydrates for energy. Now for lower intensity exercise, you can burn fat such as walking, you know, daily activities, you are burning fat. Um, That is kind of a, you know, misconception though, just because you're using fat as fuel, that doesn't necessarily mean you're burning body fat, which is kind of a complex topic. But not to get in too much of a rabbit hole here, back to the ketogenic idea. By switching over to fat predominantly as fuel, your body can more efficiently burn your body fat. So by cutting out carbs, you eat high, high amounts of fat, and subsequently your body starts utilizing its own fat stores as fuel. Now, is it actually good for fat loss? Well, again, back to my previous episode, it does depend on how many calories you're consuming. So just because you're eating high amounts of healthy fats and proteins, you know, avocados, nuts, coconut oil, things like that, 
those foods are, you know, pretty rich in, in antioxidants, polyphenols, you know, olive oil has a lot of great nutrients in it, as do avocados and nuts. However, those do have a higher caloric density. So nine calories per gram, as opposed to protein or carbs, which have four calories per gram. At the same time, it is important to consume uh, good amounts of healthy fats because most of your body is made out of fats. Most of your cells have fats in the membranes. Your brain is basically water and fat. So cutting down your fats, people think that, you know, they're going to lose fat, but it can actually have, you know, negative health consequences. On top of that, you know, your hormones, a lot of them are made from cholesterol, which are necessary. So yeah, I think the ketogenic diet has a lot of health benefits, but definitely you can definitely overdo it. Again, just because you're consuming avocados and they're healthy doesn't mean you can't gain weight on it. And I think that happens frequently, especially with things like nuts and oils, you know, people tend to drizzle them too much or continue to eat, you know, handfuls of nuts thinking that, oh, they're healthy, you know, I can just eat as many of them as I want, which again, if you're going for health, that may be, you know, more along the lines of that. But if you're going for weight loss, you still have to keep that energy balance. Now you may know someone that has lost a lot of weight on keto and that's actually not uncommon. You can actually lose a good amount of weight right away within the first few weeks or months on the ketogenic diet. And so that might appeal to people. However, there is a, you know, a really great explanation for this and it's not necessarily that you're losing body fat. Sorry, I know, I hate to break it to you guys. So back to glucose, you can store it as glycogen and you can store that in your muscles and your liver. And glycogen draws a lot of water into those cells. So when you're cutting out carbs, your body starts using that glycogen as fuel, right? Your fuel stores get emptied out. And that takes out a lot of the water from your muscle cells, your liver cells, etc. So a lot of that weight that you're losing, it's just your glycogen stores being depleted. And it's those water, um, water being depleted as well. You know, a negative health consequence of this is that since you're losing water, that can also draw out electrolytes from those cells. So it's important to stay hydrated while you're doing the ketogenic diet. So consuming things like salt, um, you know, pink Himalayan sea salt is something I drink in my water every day. You know, you can sprinkle it on your food, etc. Furthermore, you know, it does take a long time to actually get into ketosis. Um, there are things like uh, keto strips which you can pee on. Um, there's breathalyzers, which you can breathe into, and you can also test your ketones in your blood. Um, so unless you do those, you won't really know if you're in ketogenic, uh, if you're in ketosis, and that's when you actually are producing the ketones to give you the fuel. So until you get into ketosis, you might feel you know, dizzy, nauseated, and that's just because you know, you're not used to using fat as fuel, and it takes a while to get into that state. So just... To recap, you have to eat high fat, low protein or moderate protein, and very low carbs to get into ketosis and to do the ketogenic diet successfully. I do think you can lose weight on the ketogenic diet. I actually think that there are more health benefits or health reasons to do it. There have been a lot of studies researching the ketogenic diet with people with schizophrenia, epilepsy, and even diabetes, um, type 2 diabetes specifically. And I have to be careful with that. 
Um, you know, again, just want to reiterate, I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice. Speak to a dietitian or to your doctor before trying this out, especially if you have a pre-existing condition. But again, the research has been shown to um, eliminate some of those uh, symptoms or improve those symptoms while on the ketogenic diet. All right, moving right along, we're going to talk about paleo. So paleo, again, also is another popular diet, especially amongst athletes. And the whole concept of paleo is eating the way your ancestors ate during the paleolithic era. And what that means is you're eating a lot of protein, you're eating a lot of fats, a lot of vegetables. It's very similar to the ketogenic diet. Again, um, you are allowed to eat more carbohydrates. The nuances of this diet though, are that you can't eat foods that weren't available to your ancestors. So this will include things like dairy, um, certain nuts, certain grains, legumes, just because those weren't um, as available. So it's more of like a foraging type of diet, foraging and scavenger type of diet. So imagine you're, you know, a caveman, you know, and you had to go get food. You would, you know, maybe kill a rabbit, find some berries, find some herbs and grasses and eat those. So that's essentially what the paleo diet is. Now, in general, I think the paleo diet is pretty, you know, it's pretty healthy. Um, And that's one of the big tenets of the paleo diet, right? You're getting a lot of nutrient-rich foods that are natural, whole foods, um, typically organic, non-GMO, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not going to get into the nuances of that. But I think one of the downsides of the paleo diet is that it's pretty restrictive. You know, no dairy, no nuts, no legumes, or I I believe you can eat certain nuts. And the reasoning is that, you know, our hunter-gatherer ancestors didn't have access to those foods. But, you know, it really depends on, you know, what area of the world that demographic was in, right? If you're in a more of a tundra type of climate versus, you know, more um, closer to the equator, the food variety is going to be a lot different. So it's kind of, you know, close-minded to assume that all hunter-gatherers ate the same type of foods. Um, It's not necessarily true. At the same time, you know, there's also new, you know, research showing that, um, you know, cultivation of certain foods um, occurred a lot um, further back than we than we think. So, you know, being able to cook foods like legumes um, and, and different grains and stuff like that um, seem to have actually occurred a lot, uh, a lot further back than we, than we actually think. So you might be actually restricting certain foods that you wouldn't necessarily need to. And again, these foods also have a lot of nutrients in them, right? Dairy has calcium and vitamin D, um, legumes and, and grains have certain B vitamins, etc. So I don't think it's necessary to restrict those foods. But in, you know, big picture, I do agree with the paleo kind of concept of restricting these processed foods, um, artificial ingredients and artificial sweeteners. Overall, I think it's a good diet, high in protein, high in micronutrients. But again, it can get a little bit restrictive. Um, especially, you know, around certain, certain foods, you don't want to be obsessive. And this is one of those diets that can be a little, little cultish, not going to lie, but again, overall pretty healthy. Now I'm going to touch on the whole 30 diet just a little bit because it's pretty similar to paleo. Essentially, you know, you're cutting out foods, I believe like soy, dairy, um, a lot of these processed foods and just focusing on whole foods, which again, I mostly agree with, you know, bottom line is 
can you sustain this for a long period of time? A lot of these foods are also a little bit more um, expensive just because they're not as commonplace, right? You can find them at places like Nugget and Whole Foods, but, um, you know, they're not as um, cost, you know, cost-friendly as, as, you know, other foods are. And I do believe in eating high-quality foods. I think that's really important. But again, I, th- I don't think you necessarily need to restrict yourself to, you know, only a certain amount of or certain types of foods. All right, next up, intermittent fasting. Now, I wouldn't say this is necessarily a fad diet. It definitely has become more of a fad recently, but, you know, intermittent fasting has been used for, you know, years and years and years. Um, and fasting in particular has as well, you know, it's a common practice in, you know, different religions um, and things like that. Now, intermittent fasting is also referred to as time restricted feeding or 16 and 8. And what that refers to is eating for a certain feeding window and then fasting for that remaining period of time. So for example, with 16 and eight, you're fasting for 16 hours and you're eating within an eight hour time window. So for example, if your first meal is at 8 a.m., you have until 4 p.m. to eat your last meal and you're eating within that window. Now this can be a benefit to people who work, you know, typical nine to five jobs or something like that. If you don't have time to make breakfast in the morning or if you don't have time to make a late dinner, you know, eating within that time window can be beneficial. It just takes a lot of guesswork out of it. It takes a lot of thinking out of it. Another benefit is that yes, it can aid in weight loss. I think primarily because you're only eating within a restricted feeding window. So instead of just eating sporadically throughout the day, you have to restrict yourself to a certain time window. So usually you're not able to eat as much, right? Think about it. If you can eat a big meal at breakfast, a big meal at lunch, big meal three hours later, and then, you know, a big meal at night, you know, you can pack in a whole, a whole lot more calories. Whereas if you're eating within a certain window, you know, you might still be full from the previous meal. So that can be beneficial if you're trying to lose weight. Um, it actually relates to ketosis as well. Um, the longer the feeding window is, um, since you are going without food, since you are lowering that blood sugar and blood glucose, it does facilitate entering um, ketosis. So if you're kind of trying to transition into a ketogenic diet, trying to you know do an intermittent fast can be beneficial. And the last part of that is there are a lot of health benefits. And I think that's the biggest reason why I would recommend intermittent fasting. It increases a chemical compound called BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. Now, this is um, a chemical that actually helps produce new neurons, new neuronal pathways. So these are cells in your brain. Um, Basically, it's like a network between themselves. So it can help you with memory. It can help you with um, memory retention and learning new things. So I think the benefits of intermittent fasting and fasting in general are more health related as opposed to weight loss related. I do have a good amount of experience with intermittent fasting and fasting I've done up to 66-hour fast. I've done 48-hour fast, 24-hour fast. Um, another benefit is that, you know, you're actually increasing your hunger tolerance. You know, when you're forced to go out, go without food, you learn that you learn the difference between being hungry and just wanting food. Usually, I mean, think about it. Last time you had chips nearby or cookies, even if you weren't really hungry, 
right? We have these visual cues, psychological cues that make us crave that food, even if we had just eaten. It's the reason why when we go have a meal at a restaurant, even though you're full, you might still want dessert, right? We have these psychosocial cues that make us want to eat food, even if we're actually full. So intermittent fasting is great if you're trying to curb cravings, if you're trying to curb your hunger and really learn about your body. Now, downsides, I wouldn't say there are too many downsides to intermittent fasting. The time-restricted feeding windows can be a little bit extreme for some. Again, I think it's beneficial just to kind of test yourself and really learn if you are hungry or if you just want food. Um, But again, I would play around with it. You know, these do affect your hormone levels, uh, leptin and ghrelin. I've talked about these in the last episode. So these are your hunger hormones. Um, So going without food for too long periods of time can increase that ghrelin. So there are, you know, different types of intermittent fasting. You know, you can try different feeding windows. There are, there is a type called five and two, I believe, which you eat normally for five days a week. And then two days a week, you severely restrict your calories to, you know, a really small feeding window. So that's another type. Um, Again, everything in moderation. Don't try anything too extreme. You know, try it, you know, dip your toes in the water. Don't just jump in the deep end, um, but gradually progress if you find that it works for you. But intermittent fasting isn't, you know, a silver bullet. It's not going to solve all your weight loss problems or health problems Um, in conjunction with exercise and good sleep and healthy habits. It will help you out, though, in my opinion. And lastly, the carnivore diet. Now, this is a new diet. A lot of people don't know about it. I don't necessarily advocate for it, but it is interesting. I do want to touch on it just a little bit. So the carnivore diet is exactly how it sounds. It's basically you're just eating animal products, specifically meat. Now, this may, you know, touch a bone for a lot of you meatheads out there. No, no pun intended. You know, I, I love meat. I love, I eat red meat, you know, most days of the week, chicken, fish, but at the same time, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend eating primarily meat as a staple in my diet. Now, it's great. You're going to have high protein, which is good. Um, High protein diets can actually spare muscle when you're reducing calories, which is important to keep your metabolism going. By removing all these um, different types of foods like carbs and fats, you're automatically going to reduce calories, so you will lose weight. At the same time, um, there is an issue of nutrient density. And I think this is where people can go wrong with the carnivore diet. By excluding plants, vegetables, fruits, you know, you're not getting those, a lot of those micronutrients, those antioxidants specifically. Now you can actually get a lot of nutrients from animal products. And this is one thing that people don't know. Animal products have some of the highest nutrient densities available, more than plants actually. Shellfish, have tons of minerals, tons of vitamins. Um, Liver actually is one of the most nutrient dense, if not the most nutrient dense food available. Now these aren't, you know, found really frequently. Um, You can't really get them in, you know, get them at a restaurant. You do have to make a more concerted effort to get those into your diet. If you're going to be successful with the carnivore diet though, it is important to include those in there. Now, there is a concern about fiber. 
Um, and up until recently, we've been under the impression that, you know, you need fiber. It's great for your colon. Um, I would agree. But again, new kind of research is coming out that we don't actually need as much fiber as we need. In certain instances, too much fiber can cause you issues with your gut. So those are some things to consider. Now, at the same time, the carnivore diet is a little bit more extreme, right? Obviously, you're cutting out, you know, multiple food groups. Um, you know, you do see improved blood markers in some. A lot of people have actually been trying the carnivore diet. Certain celebrities, um, certain doctors even on social media have been talking about it. Now, again, on social media, everyone's an expert, right? But, you know, it works for some people. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for a lot of other people. Now we have to think, what are the long-term effects of this? Um, even though you might see a short-term benefit, we don't know what it's going to do in the long-term. I think there are short-term benefits just by cutting out a lot of these junk foods. And this is kind of the, the punchline for this whole episode. Just about every diet is better than that typical American diet. If there's one good thing about any fad diet is that it cuts out, in general, they cut out processed foods, you know, artificial ingredients, you know, paleo, Whole30, they're, they're focused on eating whole foods. Ketogenic diets focused on eating less carbohydrates. So, you know, pizza and burgers and chips, you're cutting those out. Those are, you know, really high calorie foods. Even the carnivore diet, you know, you're even though you're only eating meat, you are cutting out all these other fatty foods, again, pizza, hamburgers, which I love, by the way. <laughs> the downside of these is that they are really restrictive. I think that to be successful, you have to have things in moderation. The downside of all these diets is that they're so restrictive, so restrictive that they're not sustainable long term. Now, if a diet works for you and you can maintain it for a long period of time, I say in general, go for it. Now, the one thing that we don't know is what will that effect be on your body long term? I think whenever you're cutting out a whole full, uh, food group, you know, we don't know what that's going to do. In the short term, right, we see weight loss, we see increased energy levels, we see decreased brain fog, we think more clearly. And, you know, we, we jump on that wagon and we say, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not looking back. And again, we have to think, what is the reasoning for that? You know, you've been eating soda and bagels and toast the first thing in the morning, right? You're, you know, drinking low amounts of water, drinking high amounts of coffee with tons of sugar. Of course, if you're going to remove those foods, you're going to see benefits from it just from removing those foods. However, we don't know if that's actually increasing your health or just removing those toxins from your body. Now, I am a big advocate of eating high nutrient dense foods, lower calorie foods, but we have to look at it, you know, whole picture. Can you sustain it for a long period of time? If yes, continue. Now, is it healthy for you long term? Uh, you know, that's where things get kind of cloudy. I recommend that you do blood work. I recommend that you see a doctor, see a dietitian. Another recommendation uh, that's been pretty big and it's I think it's on the frontier of health is getting your gut tested I've talked about the gut microbiome um, in the past and I've written blogs on it now I'm by no means an expert but I think that will be the next thing in health you know being able to know what kind of uh, bacteria are in our gut 
you know, good or bad and, you know, in what balance are they in? Because again, different foods affect our gut. They, some increase inflammation, some increase, you know, other health markers. You can also test your genetics, right? In that way, you can kind of go along the lines of paleo and see what your actual ancestors ate. I think the combination of the two is going to be something that's beneficial for a lot of people. Again, these aren't, you know, very cost friendly, but I think they are worth it. If you're going to be making a life change, you should make that change based on you and what's best for you, not what your friend did, not what you see on social media, what someone else is doing, not what I'm doing. You know, I think you should experiment and see what works for you. But again, having some knowledge as to what's good for your body, are you getting the right nutrients? Um, is your body performing optimally? I think those are really important things to consider. So notice I did not talk about veganism. Uh, I will do a whole episode on that in the future because, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. But for now, these are the fad diets I wanted to talk about. And if you guys had any questions, as always, feel free to shoot those over to me in an email. Uh, go to check out my social media, Jewels of Energy on Instagram, Eclectic Athlete on Facebook. And of course, I'm always open to feedback. I hope you guys found this information useful. Again, I do it not because I want you to believe me or you know take what I say as fact, but there's so much misinformation out there. It causes a lot of confusion. So I just want to shine a light on it to present different ideas to you guys. Now, if you found this information useful, I would love it if you could share it, leave me a review or a comment on my podcast. Please subscribe. Thanks again, guys. And we'll see you next week with another great episode. Thank you.